Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hi, I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I do the only thing we've found that has ever made life any easier. We drop the fake and we just talk really raw and honestly about all the hard parts of life. So come on over and join us and some of our friends and greatest heroes like former First Lady Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, Gloria Steinem, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brandi Carlisle, Brene Brown, and our beloved community, the Pod Squad. You'll hear refreshingly honest conversations, trust me, about sex, gender, parenting, blended families, our bodies, anxiety, addiction, feeling overwhelmed, just all of it. Life is hard, so let's do it together. Meet us every Tuesday and Thursday for We Can Do Hard Things, one of Apple and Spotify's top shared podcasts of 2023. Listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to The Laverne Cox Show, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Now, there are certain people in America that would rather burn it to the ground than share it with you. Amen. Okay, let's be clear. They'd rather take it down. No one will have it. And there's a fair number of those. And we've heard people say, well, you know, the police, you know, a few bad apples. It's not bad apples, it's a bad orchard, right? And we have to recognize that it's been grown that way. Welcome to the Laverne Cox Show. I'm Laverne Cox. Last year, for the first time, I heard the term post-traumatic slave syndrome. The moment I heard this phrase, I was intrigued. I was familiar with the concept of epigenetics and research that found that intergenerational trauma can quite literally be transmitted through our DNA and passed down to the next generation. I thought about my grandfather 
and great-grandfather who were sharecroppers who were beaten on plantations and then trapped in indentured servitude post-emancipation. And the painful legacy that violence and trauma have had on my family. I knew I wanted to talk to the woman who coined this term about her research and how we might begin our collective healing from post-traumatic slave syndrome. Dr. Joy DeGruy is a nationally and internationally renowned researcher and educator whose work focuses on the intersection of racism, trauma, violence, and American chattel slavery. She has published numerous peer-reviewed journal articles and authored her seminal book entitled Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Joy DeGruy. Hello, Dr. Joy, and welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling today? I am well. How are you? I'm well. I'm really excited about this conversation today about post-traumatic slave syndrome. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to um, coin the term post-traumatic slave syndrome and, and do the research? Yes. My background is I have, I have a degree in communications and I have a degree in MSW social work. I have a master's degree also in clinical psychology. I have a PhD in social work research. So that's my educational background. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more about my lived experience that really led me there. Um, I grew up, my family's from Louisiana, and I I grew up with the, my father went to the sixth grade. Uh, My mother could have had a full scholarship to college, but stayed instead and raised a family. But my father called himself an Asiatic black man. Mm. So blackness was something that was okay with me. You know, I'm 63 years old and I grew up with a real healthy feeling about my blackness. However, you know, I grew up in a time when folk were you know, called Negroes and colored and all the rest. But I remember as a child hearing other kids uh, and, uh, and adults, not just kids, that would, if they got mad at you, they, they say, you black, and then fill in the blank, you black. And, and of course, the assumption here is that adding black is an, an additional injury or an additional insult. And for me, I'm like, but you are black. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it didn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. And then, you know, I started to hear things like, oh, my God, you know, uh, she was so pretty, even though she was dark. You know, mm. uh, he was he was really attractive. He was light skinned, did had good hair. You know, all of those things I grew up with. And in and, and context, I guess that makes sense given the time, maybe. But then I continued to hear it. <laughs> you know, it didn't stop mm-hmm. all the way up until, you know, 2009. I think Chris Rock made the the, the movie Good Hair. Right. Um, so for me, it started there. And it started with me trying to understand what the ideology of that. Where did that come from? You know, I've been to seven countries in Africa. It wasn't an African thing. I heard it from folks from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. In other words, I started to hear it from folks that shared a legacy of enslavement, mm. which was a very different and unique experience. Um, and what I mean by that is while slavery itself, and this is what, you know, I got considerable pushback. Slavery itself is not a new institution. It's existed for a long time. And when people get really testy, they'll tell you, well, you people enslaved each other. And I'll say, Correct. And so did you people, right? As a matter of fact, most societies in the world had some form of indentured servitude or, or slavery. So I, I'm, I'm starting to look at wh- where did this come from? And so I started reading slave narratives. 
I started interviewing the oldest people in my environment that I could that had memory. Right. Um, and on one occasion, you know, actually Adelaide Sanford, who is a, the, the vice chancellor of education in New York, uh, I was on a on a radio call. She actually called in and mentioned something that her grandmother had said to her. Now, Adelaide was up in age at that. And I think she's in her 90s now. But she talked about sitting at her grandmother's knee and hearing her grandmother recount what it was like during slavery. So, you know, I had enough context to realize that what is this? Where did this come from? So I have now a context of where it came from. I even have an understanding of some of the behaviors. And I examine those behaviors, contemporary behaviors, that folks don't even know why they do what they do, right? Because our history has not been readily available to us. And the history we have is a bit distorted, if not outright wrong, about about Black people. And so, I mean, that's where I began. And I began really trying to understand how we could really love each other and embrace ourselves um, better, you know. And so that's kind of where it starts. But when I talk about post-traumatic slave syndrome, um, I'm talking about you know, some of the adaptive behaviors that have been left over. Uh, it is not about a pathologizing Black people. It is not, it is about really trying to tease the poison from the cookies. I'm trying to tease out what is healthy, cultural, understanding, knowledge, and relevance from the poison, which was what we had to do to adapt to being in hostile environments. The kind of things we had to do, not look people in the eye and, you know, diminish our children so people wouldn't look at our children as having value because we didn't want them sold. I mean, all of the things that we did that makes sense. But, you know, when you start seeing those those behaviors, you know, like I, I asked, so what this usually gets me in trouble. You know, has anyone heard of anyone saying, go get a switch? Everybody. I mean, I spoke to a whole room full of psychiatrists and all, all black psychiatrists and everybody raising, raising their hand. I said, how many of them had you get a couple of them? And you, they braid them together. You know, people are laughing. I said, how many of them, how do, have you dip it, leave it in water overnight? And then they're like, wait a minute. I said, you know what that is? That is pretty much a, a whip, right? So you're looking at a yes. whip that you've created yes. to hit a child. Right. And it's behavior. And then the responses, but big mama loved me. And I'm like, yeah, big mama loved you. And I look at me. I'm okay. I say, yeah, you are okay in spite of it, not because of it. We don't have to hit children with parts of branches on trees. You know what I mean? So there there was that sense of culture, you see. But what is it? What is it? Is it really cultural or is it adaptive? Mm-hmm. What do you think? You know, it's really interesting. You, many years ago, Jamie Foxx, when he won his Academy Award, talked about his grandmother, you know, whooping him and beating him. And he sort of made a joke of it. And used, and a lot of us Black folks, we make jokes about getting the switch. Oh, yeah, we laugh. It is a knowing laughter. But it's traumatizing for a lot of us. What do you think that laughter is about? Is it about trying to diminish the pain of it? Is, well, what, I think what happens, you know... I, there is a wonderful statement by Isabel Wilkerson in her book, Cast. And, mm-hmm. and she talks about it in the context of, of, of living in an old house and getting used to the, the, the broken pieces and the, you know, propping up floors and leaking ceilings. We begin to normalize. Do you see? We normalize mm-hmm. it. So it doesn't get, it doesn't get um, uh, really brought into our consciousness as a trauma. 
right now at the time it's happening mm. is traumatic. But what we do is we normalize those behaviors to such a degree that we don't allow ourselves to see it any other way. But imagine just let's just unpack that for a moment. I'm getting you've done something wrong. I'm going to, to punish you and I'm going to make you go get the weapon. I'm sending you to get the thing to hurt you with. And so there's there's so many implications of what's wrong with that. Just the whole psychological impact. Go get me a switch to hit you with. Now, again, seven countries in Africa. I didn't see people wailing on children that way. I'm not suggesting that they don't somewhere in there. But that wasn't the common practice that I have experienced and I've spoken about. And, and I know there's incredible violence. Don't get me wrong. There's violence everywhere. But I, I, I think we have to take into account you can train an a elephant without hitting it. <laughs> you know, what I mean, so come on, we don't have to hit children. Mm -hmm. You um, talked about post-traumatic slave syndrome as an a set of adaptive behaviors. How would you distinguish, um, let's call it just PTSS, post-traumatic slave syndrome, from epigenetics, right? When trauma is passed down through our DNA and through our genes, is there a difference for you between the two or is there a similarity? They are connected. They're connected. So that not everything, first of all, let me let me kind of set up this, this reality around trauma because people are talking a lot about trauma in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And there's a clinical, you know, a discussion of trauma where you experience a severe, you know, someone threatens your life or something violent happens, or it could even be a natural disaster, whatever. And it causes your body to go into a certain kind of fight or flight or freeze kind of behavior, right? So th there's that reality. Now, we could both be in the same room together. And uh, let's say we're at a conference, you and I, we're at a conference, and someone um, shoots somebody in the room, shoots them, right? Okay. And, well, we know, one, the person is traumatized. Probably the person seated nearest to them might be traumatized, mm -hmm. but not necessarily, because everybody's not traumatized by traumatic events. Not, you know, everybody, somebody will go, wow, it was really bad. It was horrible. Let's go to lunch. Right. So we don't all we don't all have the same response. When I talk about post-traumatic slave syndrome, I'm not talking about a single trauma. I'm not even talking about a clinical diagnosis because a clinical diagnosis mm -hmm. means that we could get you some medication, get you in a room. People talk to you softly a couple of times a week, help you out with that. Post-traumatic slave syndrome yeah. requires much more than that. It requires social justice. You got to stop hitting me. That's one. Mm -hmm. And the trauma itself reflects itself in what I call social learning. So let me explain the difference. So epigenetics, the, you know, if, if something is, is showing up as markers on your DNA, you know, once it's there, you can do something. You can actually change the trajectory. And I'll talk about that. But there's something else that we mm -hmm. do. And that is mm -hmm. called social learning. Social mm -hmm. learning theory looks at how we are influenced by everyone around us. So for you, if, if you learned to cook or if I learned to cook and I know who I learned to cook from, I learned to cook from my mother. My mother learned to cook from her mother. So I began to do some of the things through my social learning that my mother did. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a social learning phenomenon. Now, let's put it in the, in the vantage point of trauma. Okay. There is a door and at that door, there are guards. And if anyone goes to the door, they beat them down. After a mm -hmm. while, you know, folks stop going to the door because they don't want to get beaten down or killed. But I'm learning also from those people in my environment. So if you are my champion, 
if you're the person I'm looking up to and you won't go through the door, I then vicariously mm. learn a helplessness that says, well, if my hero, my, you know, the person that, that raised me won't go through the door, I'm not going through the door. This is called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is, well, you know, I nobody's gone through. I'm not, I, there's nothing over there anyway. Why does anybody, well, we start making up reasons why we don't go through the door. But the opposite is also true. You can confound that because if you go through the door, then I go, well, if, if she can go through the door, then I can go through the door. And so what we have mm. is social learning, which can end up being learned helplessness, which uh, began with animals. They, they took dogs, they put them in, in, a, in a fenced area, turned on a red light. Every time the light came on, they shocked the dog wherever they were. Then after a while, you didn't need the shock. You didn't need the reinforcement. The, the light would come on, dog would move. Then they just wanted to see. Let's just shock the dog arbitrarily, whether the light is on or not. The dog will lie down. It will no longer move mm. because it learns that no matter what I do, it won't change the outcome. That's learned helplessness. And we can learn to be oh. helpless if we're in an environment where we are consistently put upon by these hostile behaviors. And then we, we model that behavior for our children. That's modeling. Wow. That's not that's not epigenetic. That that is what we're learning. But then on top of that, we have epigenetic transference of trauma. Wow. That's really deep. And that, what that makes me think of too are the systems that teach us that no matter what we do, we're still going to be in the same circumstance, no matter who we vote for, Democrat or Republican, they've all been bought by corporate interests. So it doesn't really matter. And so we don't vote and we feel helpless. <laughs> and it's just it becomes this cycle. So, I mean, I think the piece though, for me with epigenetics, with um, post-traumatic slave syndrome, what is the conversation so that we don't take post-traumatic slave syndrome and say, I'm a victim forever and there's nothing we can do, but take that as an understanding, as a way to heal and understand that we can be agents in our own lives. Absolutely. And when I wrote post-traumatic originally, you know, my whole focus is healing and you can't heal what you don't understand. Amen. And you most certainly aren't going to stop behaviors that you have come to accept as normal. Just like we began to, you know, in, in uh, Isabel Wilkerson's statement that you begin to accept all of the problems, you adapt to them, you adopt them, and you begin to realize or believe that this is how life has to be. And what I do is I give people, I said, let's examine what we've learned. Let's examine why I behave the way I behave. And let's make a decision about, you know, God bless them, our parents, they gave us the best that they could, given what they had. But there, there are some mm -hmm. things that my parents did, taught that I did not share with my kids. I didn't raise them that way. I had a different mm -hmm. experience, a different perception of the world. And I think post-traumatic helps people um, remember where we came from, right? If we think yeah. this is not can't, nowhere close to as deep as it's been. Amen. So I know we can move beyond this, mm -hmm. but we have to, again, as we move forward, we have to do it intentionally. We have to lean in in a way and, and say, well, you know, uh, do I want to call people out of their name like that? Do I want to assess black people in this way as a, a total pathological group of people? Do I, what, what, what is it that I've learned, even from people we love, that I don't want to maybe continue mm -hmm. on? We aren't really necessarily examining those parts of our lives to say, you know, again, I know my family gave me the best they could, uh, but there were some gaps there that I had to make some decisions about with regard to my own children.
So I'll give you an example of, of something that happened. It was amazing. My um, When I was a little girl, I remember being so small, I'm looking up at my grandmother's hand. So I'm I'm got to be a toddler, right? Maybe three mm-hmm. maximum. And I noticed that when my grandmother was upset, she always had an apron on. And she would be holding the edge of that apron in her hand, just holding it tight. And she didn't even know it. She wouldn't even know she's mm. doing it. But what got internalized in me is something's wrong. Because I didn't have, I was mm. my, maybe even pre-verbal. I'm just, all I know is when I see that hand type, something's wrong with grandma. My mother did it. My mother's sister did mm. it. Years later, oh, wow. I would find myself, this is an absolute truth. I'd find myself after a lecture, you see this little ball, a piece of tissue? It would be in my hand. I wouldn't know when it mm. got there and I never let go of it. And I was Mm. like, wow, I wasn't holding the side of my dress like my mom or my my grandmother or my aunt, but I had that balled up tissue in my hand. Mm. So I called my sister who's older than me. Right? I called my sister Uh and she said, you too. I found out my daughter did it. My daughter. Oh, my. But once my sister and I found out about it, talked about it began to do some things to change it. We said, okay, I'm going to zip up the pocket or do something, but we're not going to be holding. Now, I understand <laughs> holding the tissue ain't going to hurt me. It's not one way or another, but I'm trying to show how things get transmitted without you even consciously knowing it. My granddaughter yeah. does not do it. My grand, mm. and part of what happened, you remember what gets internalized is stress. That's what I learned. That's what I internalized from my grandmother. Something's wrong. It's something stressful. And when things were stressful, my grandmother, my mother, my aunt, I did it. And clearly I did it enough for my daughter to get it, but she didn't do it enough for her daughter to get it. In other words, the mm-hmm. stress or however we interpreted it changed along the way. But sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it gets worse. Mm-hmm. And it's not a piece of tissue, right? It's a behavior. It's a word you say. It's an assault. Yeah. It could be any number of things. And I'm saying we have to pay attention to those things to make certain that they're not something that we are unwittingly passing along. Now, good news, good news uh, mm-hmm. about epigenetics, which I really, you know, I've been really geeked about, is they were talking about telomeres. I'm not going to even get into it. It gets thick in terms of these telomeres and the protection of your DNA and Mm -hmm. all that. But they've said that what helps Mm -hmm. people change and regrow healthy cells and healthy telomeres is to actually pay attention to the way you're thinking. Your actual... Mm. A mindfulness of mindfulness, exactly. Presence, practicing being present, not running from things. Right. So when I look at black people, it's the last thing in the world I I ever consider that we are victims. Are you kidding me? For me, even when I deal with other people of color, you know, listen, let's let's be plain about this. A lot of people walked in the door that we knocked down. Yes. Are you with me? We knocked out. We were water holes. Oh, yes. We were dogs yes. and, and lynchings and beatings. We knocked on those doors. And what that says to me is that's what we're going to do whenever this happens. Whenever it occurs, we are going to show up for ourselves and for each other and to the benefit of everybody else, to be perfectly honest, when we start looking at things like civil rights. So, you know, I think, and I'm not suggesting there weren't people that were involved, but come on, we know who knocked down the door. 
and the cost of knocking down that door. So yeah, we, we, we have things that we have to deal with. I mean, any group and we are human beings. So certainly 300 years of slavery produce injury. Come on, <laughs> you know, we're humans. Absolutely. And what you say so much in your in your work, in your research, is that those injuries have continued, right? Through sharecropping, through Jim Crow, through mass incarceration, etc., that the injuries continue. How's that for a little truth? After a tiny little break, we've got so much more for you. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hi, I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I do the only thing we've found that has ever made life any easier. We drop the fake and we just talk really raw and honestly about all the hard parts of life. So come on over and join us and some of our friends and greatest heroes like former First Lady Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, Gloria Steinem, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brandi Carlisle, Brene Brown, and our beloved community, the Pod Squad. You'll hear refreshingly honest conversations, trust me, about sex, gender, parenting, blended families, our bodies, anxiety, addiction, feeling overwhelmed, just all of it. Life is hard, so let's do it together. Meet us every Tuesday and Thursday for We Can Do Hard Things, one of Apple and Spotify's top shared podcasts of 2023. Listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor and meanwhile the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds lady whistledown's pen we're discussing it all and i sit down with nicola coughlin luke newton shonda rhimes and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season watch season three of the shondaland series on netflix may 16th then fall in love all over again by listening to bridgerton the official podcast on the iHeartRadio. Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage from full to cheeky to minimal. 
And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Let's get back to our chat. Back to the um, piece around, because um, we talk a lot about trauma on this podcast. I'm really interested in trauma resilience. I, um, I've interviewed my therapist, Jennifer Burton-Flyer, about trauma and trauma resilience. And she says the body can experience good things as well as challenging things. It's too much, too fast, too soon. And that um, it's not just about understanding trauma as something horrible that has happened to us, but those stressors that you allude to when you're um, grabbing that balled up piece of paper. And the way to sort of, you know, begin to alleviate that is to build resilience to these behaviors, having an awareness of it and having a sort of set of things that we can do to um, sort of alleviate all of those things. So with post-traumatic slave syndrome, right? What's deep for me at this historical moment is that like in 2021, you can turn on the television or go on the internet and just see people saying that structural racism doesn't exist, that white supremacy isn't a thing in the United States, that black people need to get over <laughs> slavery, that we're just sure. being, you know, all these, all these things that people say that invalidates the experiences of Black folks not owning the history, the real history of what happened in the United States. And I love your work, too, because you um, say that white folks also have post-traumatic slave syndrome, right? That, that, that white folks were involved in this, in the dehumanization of Black folks, that white folks lost their humanity as well. So what, in 2021, with all of this sort of disinformation going on around reality and history, what do you have to say to that? Do we just keep pushing back and telling the truth and with love and empathy? Or, what girl? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot. Um, I and you know what? Yeah, I know. Uh, that, I'm it's, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, well, first of all, I believe that we have to always speak the truth. Yeah. I believe that truthfulness is the foundation of all human virtue. That if you are not truthful, you cannot be well. And America's pathology is her denial. And so part of what we have to do is continue to bring these things to the light. I mean, it's, it's an eventuality. In other words, it's, it's inevitable. Unity and, and oneness as a species is an inevitability, whether it's going to be something pretty horrific that gets us there or an act of will. Um, that's what's before us, but it's inevitable. Mm. And, and what I mean okay. by that is, like when the tobacco industry, for example, I remember when I was a little kid, I used to go buy cigarettes for everybody in the neighborhood, by the way. I was like eight and they write the note, give me the little, <laughs> I'd run to the store, get Salem's, Winston's, you know, Chesterfield, all of that. I was eight. <laughs> and now I, I, I just listen, Laverne, I believe right now I've been on a gazillion Zooms, as no doubt you have also. Yeah, indeed. And I've never even seen anybody try to light up a cigarette on a Zoom. You understand me? You in your own house. It's so outside of the of the reality. I used to tell my grandkids, you know, how we had special ashtrays for the holidays and all this. And they're laughing. They don't even know what an ashtray is. Mm -hmm. So how do we move from me at eight years old, running to the store, getting cigarettes to the point now where if someone lit up a cigarette in a room, I think the peer pressure would put the cigarette out. And if that didn't do it, we start psychoanalyzing them. Did, did someone die in the family? What's wrong with you? You have lit up a cigarette. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. How did we see people? We know it happened. And there was a paradigm shift. So much so. I mean, here I am. I grew up with when there was a smoking section of airplanes, which is insane. And 
And I remember how, you know, all of a sudden there was a switch. And what happened was a preponderance of evidence. Mm. In other words, there was so much evidence that it forced a paradigm shift. And you see racism, anti-Blackness, all these things we're seeing, there is a preponderance of evidence and different than any other time in history. You can push a button and see it in live time. I'm not waiting for ABC or NBC or somebody else to tell me. I can see it in real time. And because of that, it's causing too much cognitive dissonance, too much dissonance in the human being that goes, I can't unknow this. I can't unknow it. And I've got to make a determination. I said, said this a while ago, that we're, we're going to look back at this time. And they're going to look at you and I and everyone else. And they're going to say, what side of history were you on? Mm. Because history is happening mm-hmm. right now. History is being made. Really? But what side of history are you on? You know, and like I said, with Black people, it's it's always amazing to me how it is people always tell Black folks to get over it. They tell Black people to get over it. Oh, get mm-hmm. over it. I dare you to tell someone Jewish to get over their Holocaust. I dare you to do it. Mm. I dare you. And what mm. I know about the Jewish community, having worked with the Jewish community for many, many years, is they don't care what you think. <laughs> okay, first of all, yeah. they honor their Holocaust so much so that they want their children to know who paid for them. It's just so interesting. And we're looking at a people long tried, hundreds of years of being tortured, beaten, mutilated, raped, sold, hundreds of years. And right now, the the world is being asked to to look at its own humanity, to look at our intrinsic oneness as as a a people on the planet, the little blue marble. You know, I I look at post-traumatic and what I understood and what I see and what I also know clinically. Is post-traumatic requires social justice. This can't be fixed because we all understand our intrinsic worth and nobility as human beings. That's great. But you're still hitting me. Mm-hmm. You're still beating me. You know, I, I not only want you to heal from things and to, to reevaluate your behavior and your decisions, I want you to do that. I certainly want you to do that. But I also certainly want to stop the the processes from ever happening that make you have to begin to deal with the injuries. I want to prevent the injury. And perhaps that's reparations on a lot of levels, perhaps uh, that, but it most certainly involves structural and institutional change. And sometimes a total reordering because, you know, some things you can't fix. People have talked to me about policing, of course, and my area of expertise is actually violence. And so I look, I've looked a lot at violence. And they'll go, well, you know, Joy, what do we do to, to fix the police? I said, fix the policing? As policing isn't broken. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do. Every system is designed to get the results that it gets. What we have to understand, if we understand slave patrols and we understand the history of policing, you want, you're a police officer, you're biased, Okay, you don't get to be in communities of color. Mm-hmm. You can't be in communities of people you might harm, except for what happened at the Capitol. When that stuff came down at the Capitol, you know those senators, all those folks, they started vetting the National Guards. They started vetting them. They said, wait, wait, we can ready to have inauguration. Oh, we need to check to see if they may be one of them. And they eliminated at least 12 of them. Mm. Why aren't we vetting police officers that come mm. into our community? See, like they knew to vet to protect themselves. And what I think about a lot, you know, th- th- you heard about the, the preschool 
it, if you go online, it, it went viral, right? Now, it, it hit me a lot mm -hmm. of different ways, right? And all this stuff is really, you know, some of it's very triggering. But for me, I was just, I was so mad. Everybody knows that that's, that's Dr. Joy's thing right now. Everybody needs to be vetted before you put them in front of our children. So what happened was it's a preschool. And in the preschool, they have these cameras. And so all parents can, you know, look at what their little kids are doing. And a Black parent mm -hmm. checked in to see what was going on and captured a picture of every, now these are little bitty kids, three to four years old, year old, right? Every single white child had a plate of food in front of them. And not one black child had a plate of food in front of them. Not one. Mm. And so now again, here's, here's the thing. Here's what shows up for me as a, as a, you know, I taught human development for a number of years at the university and I'm going, so the children are learning something. They're innocent, these children, the white children, the black children, yeah. they're innocent little children, but they're learning something. Yeah. The, the white children oh, are yeah. at the very least learning we're special. And they're learning, hmm, and we're certainly more special than you. And then the black yeah. children, what gets internalized, they thought, oh God, we must have done something wrong. Yeah. We're bad. That's what happens at that age. They begin to try to find between their ears a reason for it. And they don't tell their parents. They don't tell anyone because they've, they've internalized, I have done something wrong. And that's what angered me the most. It's shame. Yes. It's shame. Yes. Um, Brene Brown tells this great story. Um, the shame researcher, Brene yes. Brown, who I always mention yes. on this podcast, tells this great story about the difference between shame and humiliation. Um, this happened in her research where a teacher um, was giving back papers and says, I have a paper here without a name. Who didn't get a paper? And then Chrissy didn't get a paper. And so the um, teacher goes on to say, Chrissy, you're stupid. I'll give you a name, S-T-U-P-I-D. And now if the child internalizes this as embarrassment or humiliation, they'll go home and they'll tell their parent, this horrible thing happened to me. This teacher called me stupid. But if the child internalizes it as shame, they don't say anything to the parent because there's no news there. The teacher called me stupid. I am stupid. And so the way the ways in which we internalize shame made me to think about the, the the question that you alluded to, you know, a little while back of like the ways in which we internalize these things as black folks, mm -hmm. right? And the ways mm -hmm. in which the, the psychic trauma of slavery, of white supremacy affects the in terms of shame. And so that piece of shame that is very much also linked to trauma has to be addressed in us if we want to not perpetuate these kinds of adaptive behaviors that we've been unconsciously passing down. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I had uh, many years ago, I was in New York lecturing and I received a phone call from my oldest son. And my oldest son has a taxic cerebral palsy. Um, very mild case, but you know, it's affected his, his whole life. And he's calling me and he's really, really, really frustrated. And he's, and he's going, mom, mom, the police, he was talking about his brother. Now his brother, um, had, <clears throat> had, was trying to meet him downtown Portland, Lord help him downtown Portland to give them, give him his ID, which he had left at his house. And my younger mm -hmm. son at the time was 19. And, and so my son sees his brother across the street steps off the curb about maybe 12 inches from the crosswalk. So, you know, like just right outside the crosswalk. And he hears bloop, a little siren and a police turns the car. So he steps back on the curb. He doesn't continue to walk. He steps back. And the police officer gets out of the car and says, improper use of crosswalk. And he says, but I didn't, I didn't cross. Uh, what's your name? Right. So he starts drilling my son soon two or three more police cars come. Now, remember, he stepped off 
and stepped on. Now there are three police cars. Improper use of a crosswalk. That is what it was. He told him improper use of a crosswalk. Meanwhile, there's a couple, a white couple with a, a stroller and a baby that just crossed the street, right in the middle of the street. And, and my son looks at the police officer and goes, what, what? And, and the police officer goes, please don't, please don't cross there. Oh, sorry. And they continue across and keep going. Now, remember, I'm 3,000 miles away. Dr. Joy is 3,000 miles away. Yeah. Right. So uh, what happens is I know my, my son is agitated. I can only imagine the humiliation he's feeling. So I say to my mm-hmm. son, tell the police officer uh, that I'd like to speak with him. And I heard the police officer say, well, I don't, I don't have time. to." Do. I said, tell him my name is Dr. Joy DeGruy. I, I'm a professor at Portland State University. So all of a sudden he's got the phone. Well, um, uh, you know, your son was getting loud and making it, you know, he says, well, well, what we'll do is we'll let him go with a, a warning. Now, at this point, my son is handcuffed in the back seat of the car. Meanwhile, you got all the people, you know, circling around him, you know, the bad, evil violent, whatever. Uh So the police Mm -hmm. take the handcuffs off of him, at which point he puts his hand in his pocket. All the guns are drawn. Now you put him in there. So you know he didn't have a gun, right? He he reached in his pocket to give his brother his ID. That's why they were there. Mm -hmm. At which point I start talking to him and I say, listen, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. Just listen to my voice and start walking. You and your brother, start walking and tell me when you're two blocks away. So he's walking and I'm saying, listen, son, I'm telling him all the things that I know that I could say. And after two blocks, he bursts Mm -hmm. into tears and he says, they're going to kill me, mom. They're going to kill me. It doesn't matter that you raised me well. It doesn't matter that I'm a good person, mom. It doesn't matter. They're going to kill me. And I remember that moment. And I thought, how dare you, son? How dare you? I said, well, there were people that had a hundred years of slavery behind them, and they were going to look at 200 years in front of them. That's what they had to deal with. How dare you, son, say now at this point, you cannot give up, not now. And he sucked up his tears. He says, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got it. I'm okay. I'm okay. And I cried for two hours after that talk. I cried for two hours because I, I'm, I'm listening to the weight of what my son is carrying. And I had to have the presence of mind to tell him about the shoulders he was standing on. I had to tell him about those who paid for him mm-hmm. and that we didn't go through all this for you to get here and say what you can't do. But I was shattered. You know, we got to walk through the world in this skin. We've got to help our boys survive in this skin. We've got to help our girls survive in this skin. And the last thing they need is someone that looks like them, you know, that looks just like them, that begins to berate them or, or humiliate them or shame them because of their blackness. Um. Jesus, that story is so harrowing. Can I ask you your thoughts on because I, you know, we were talking about defunding the police, reallocating resources to some people want to abolish the police. There's someone who's a police officer who's really close to me right now who I understand is an amazing, sweet, 
loving human being. People have police officers in their lives who are amazing human beings. And then this happened to your son, right? And what happened to George Floyd happened to him and Breonna Taylor and et cetera, et cetera. And there's the history of that system and the re- political realities of that system right now. What would you say in the context of all of that? Okay. So again, I believe that certain things are poison at the root. And when we look at root cause analysis, then we have to recognize that the healing or the change has to happen at the root. Think about it this way. Every major institution in America, every major institution in America has at its root white supremacy. I don't care if you want to be a doctor. I don't care if you want to be an architect. I don't care what you want to be. At its root, it's poison. Right. So you have institutions like you have educational institutions that are literally they're really late in the game. Actually, each one of them had their way of perpetuating it. But we have always had to coexist in this reality. Right. These systems Mm -hmm. are designed this way. For example, you look at all the Karens. Right. I mean, why, Mm. why do you get to falsely accuse someone of something that could cost them their lives and then you get to walk away? Straight up lie. We got it on on tape that you're lying. Why do you not get, actually, I know in California, at least they put it out there. It's called the Karen Act. Where they are. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I'm telling the truth. It's an acronym. The Karen Act. Um, I'm not certain certain where it is in terms of having made it through, but it certainly was, was something that put forth because I'm going, why is there absolutely no accountability? My problem with all of this Mm. is that there's no accountability. Like I said, you can deal with the police and you can go so far. And then you got the lobbyists, then you got the the police union and the boards and all those folks. And ultimately it all goes to the judge that could say, yeah, I'm gonna dismiss this. Are you following me? So so what what I what I'm recognizing is when people start talking about a fix, we're talking about a total transformation that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And in some institutions, that's something that's easier to do because you have a board of directors or you have certain people and there's diverse voices there and there's power in those diverse voices. Crucial. It, that's the crucial piece because I don't care about any of this if there's no teeth in it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I need you to stop hurting us on every single one of those levels. I need to take that power out of your hands because we're just one crazy political person, uh, director, you know, whoever the person is in power away from getting sent back 20 years, right? Everything we've built gets undone. That could happen at the Supreme Court any minute now. And there's there's a lot of work that is probably going to be undone at the Supreme Court level. And then we're seeing it happen in state houses where conservatives hold most of the governorships and most of the state legislatures. This is a good time to take a little break. A lot more is coming, though. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. Hi, I'm Glennon Doyle, author of untamed and host of the podcast. We can do hard things on. We can do hard things. My wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I do the only thing we've found that has ever made life any easier. 
we drop the fake and we just talk really raw and honestly about all the hard parts of life. So come on over and join us and some of our friends and greatest heroes like former First Lady Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, Gloria Steinem, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brandi Carlisle, Brene Brown, and our beloved community, the Pod Squad. You'll hear refreshingly honest conversations, trust me, about sex, gender, parenting, blended families, our bodies, anxiety, addiction, feeling overwhelmed, just all of it. Life is hard, so let's do it together. Meet us every Tuesday and Thursday for We Can Do Hard Things, one of Apple and Spotify's top shared podcasts of 2023. Listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor and meanwhile the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds lady whistledown's pen we're discussing it all and i sit down with nicola coughlin luke newton shonda rhimes and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season watch season three of the shondaland series on netflix may 16th then fall in love all over again by listening to bridgerton the official podcast on the iHeartRadio. Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Okay, we're back. Let's keep the conversation going. What it feels like right now is that there is, I would say, post Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, an awakening that a lot of Americans have had of all races, right? And we're having these conversations differently and there's different kinds of pushes around on racial equity. But what I'm seeing is the backlash to it is ferocious. And what was once a dog whistle is now a bark. And it is like the blatant white supremacy that is just out there now is harrowing and it's it's a it's gagging it's a gag girl it's a lot i'm like whoa this is just straight up nazi stuff that's being said on like national television every night so we're at this like it's like white supremacist last stand or something i don't know i hope i hope it's the last stand but what what is what needs to happen right now is like it's a big structural change that i'm not convinced is going to happen and so 
what I'm buoyed by is our history as black folks, right? We've, we've been through a lot <laughs> and we found a way to be resilient and be amazing and awesome. But it is also really scary because, you know, inability to pass uh, a minimum wage or a pro act or an equality act so that we don't go back 20, 30, 40, 50 there, years. Therein lies the problem. I keep telling people that. You, you you have to recognize that there is a a, a last what my father would say the last gasp of a dying dog. There is change in the wind, and we have numbers. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a matter of numbers and time. After a while, like I said, the inevitability is going to happen. We are going to come to this. Mm-hmm. Now there are certain people in America that would rather burn it to the ground than share it with you. Okay, let's be clear. They'd rather take it down. No one will have it. And there's a fair number of those. And we've heard people say, well, you know, the police, you know, a few bad apples. It's not bad apples. It's a bad orchard. Right. And we have to recognize that it's been grown that way. And if we are to to move beyond this, we're talking about a change in the power. Now, how much do you think it's going to take for folks to exchange that the hand of power because that's what we're talking about here at the end of the day money power greed that's how we got here yeah and so you have a lane here right this is your lane do do what you can mm-hmm. do dr joy gonna do what she can do in her lane mm-hmm. and i believe that all of us have that to do Amen. when i start looking back at all of our leaders all of those who came before us i mean i keep thinking about the crazy stuff i've heard you know, my guidance counselor telling me I wasn't college material. Mm, with four degrees. Told me I was, <laughs> told me I got four degrees. I, I tell everybody, the only thing that angers me is that she didn't live long enough for me to go back and blow her hair back. You know, but it was just the whole idea that my family, you know, even though my parents didn't go to college, they knew we were going to go to college. But how about that family that didn't? How many people did this woman destroy? How many people did she harm? How much shame did she produce? There was a, um, in 2016, Yale Child Study Program actually found a bias in like 135 teachers, right? So now we have evidence, 135. And, they, and I'm not saying all those white teachers, right? So you have the 135 teachers, they find this bias. Now, every Black person, Latinx people, we all send our kids into the schools and we just hope. You're not going to hurt them. We go, we hope because we remember what happened to us, but we just hope. Well, here's where I'm different. This is my lane, right? Mm-hmm. I got skin in the game. I got grandkids in schools. My family tends to wrap themselves around the schools our kids are in and show up, volunteer. I'll train any warm body you put in front of me. But here's what I'm going to do when I go in. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, Miss Wilson, I understand that you're going to be working with my grandson here. I want to know what you're going to do to mitigate any potential harm to him as a result of intrinsic bias. Now, Miss Wilson may go, I, I, I don't think I understand what you mean. I said, well, here's the data. <laughs> okay, I want to give I want to give it to you. I'm gonna give you here's the research. Here is the current data. All right, great. Now you got that. And that's the piece. That is the piece. People really are pushing back against implicit bias, right? Some people who want to be in denial about white supremacy. <laughs> and what I really want to get through to people is that you do not have to be a white person to internalize anti-black bias. You can be a black person internalizing anti-black bias and perpetuating that onto other 
other black people. Black folks are doing it all, all the, time. the time. And if black folks can do it to ourselves and each other, it is certainly possible, if not plausible, that white folks are doing it as well. So we have to be willing to do that self-interrogation. And people, it's just, I wish people, I wish we could get past folks being so upset being called a racist. Because it's like, that's not, calling someone racist is not really even useful at this point. It's like, how have I, inter- the question really is like, okay, I've internalized this. How can I be accountable for the racism that I have now perpetuated? Because we all are racist. We've all That's internalized right. it. That's right. And that needs to become the conversation instead of this, uh, I'm not racist. I'm not, it's just, it's not useful and it's not true. <laughs> and it's like, we're not getting anywhere. Exactly. I'm sorry. I just, my little rant. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I, some of the, the worst experiences I've had in my school career growing up were black teachers. Black teachers that said things to me that stung me to my soul. And part of the reason why it stung me so was because I expected something different from them. Mm. And and again, in this study, it's, it wasn't all white teachers. Mm-hmm. It was a combination of teachers. So, But my point is, I don't care who it is. If, if it turns out you have bias, then you can get your training and people can help you and you can do all that, but you don't get to go in front of the kids. And, and one, la- one last thing I would say in, in terms of interrupting some of this We've, we've often normalized stress, and that's something that I, I want to say to people, that that's taking away years of our lives, that level of stress that we carry, that we've normalized. Yeah. And to find those spaces in the importance of touch and the importance of finding spaces in our lives to exhale and, and mm-hmm. to feel uh, safe and warm and loved, we've got to be deliberate about that especially right now, Mm -hmm. so much negative stuff coming at us. So many things that we're seeing in, you know, on the, on the television and, you know, YouTube and everything else, we've got to really be intentional about healing and about feeling uh, good and, and, and recognizing this beauty in the world. You know, my grandson, when he was little, it was, I think it was Trayvon that was killed. I can't remember who was at the time, but I was, I I was having a moment And during the time that I'm, I'm really upset and I'm talking about the same thing we're talking about now, right? Keeps coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get a little, uh, he, he sends me a text. And in the text, he says, isn't this a pretty lizard? Ema, they call me Ema, right? And it's a fluorescent green lizard. And it stops me in my tracks. And I'm like, because you see, he sees beauty in the world yes. and I need him. And so I had to stop and I said, you know what, Nas, that is a really pretty lizard. And we can't forget yeah. those moments, you know, every, and there's so much beauty, so many incredible things black people are doing all over the world. And definitely here, miraculous things, amazing things in every discipline. Let's showcase that. Let's yeah. talk about the good so that we don't get so weighed down. You know, we have to give ourselves spaces to be well and to be loved and give love. And what my daughter would say, to beam love. To beam Beam love. it at somebody. I love that. I love to beam love. That is what I'm, I try to be all about. This is a perfect segue into the way I like to end every um, podcast with the question, what else is true? And it's taken from my own therapy, um, from the community resiliency model and the shift and stay, right? That if I'm stressed out or if I'm feeling anxiety in some part of my body, um, some part of my body is neutral or positive. And can I focus on that thing, that new mm. thing that's neutral or positive, that beautiful, you know, lizard. So Dr. Joy, for you today, 
what else is true? What helps you get through? Oh, gosh, I have such optimism and such joy associated with what I see around me that's beautiful. I see so many beautiful mm -hmm. people. I was so excited to be here with you, right? This is an mm. opportunity to connect with another person that is in their lane, that is beaming love and joy and light. And that's what else is going on. And that's what I'm going to try to do. That's my name. My name is Joy. I'm going to try to be Joy. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, that's so beautiful. Thank you, Dr. Joy. Where can folks find you? Are you on social media? JoyDegrew.com, JoyDegrew Publications. I'm on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm on Facebook. You know, I, uh, Dr. Joy DeGroo. So, um, but thank you so much. I'm so excited. This is so wonderful. I'm so glad to know that you're doing this. Um, thank you. And just keep doing it. Thank you. Thank you for the work. Thank you for the continued work. Thank you for beaming love today. Post-traumatic slave syndrome. A set of adaptive behaviors that we've unconsciously passed down. I love that she sort of organically leaned into the resilience of the history of Black people in America that like through all of this trauma, right? All this intergenerational trauma that continues, that we found beauty, that we found joy. She, she says in her book that after emancipation, was there therapy? Was there like, you know, stuff for, you know, formerly enslaved people? Did they have sessions to like heal all these centuries long traumas? No, that didn't happen. But we have the information now. We can do the healing work now. We can use the beauty around us to fortify us, to, you know, reset our nervous systems and not live in this way that is constantly normalized stress, normalized trauma, normalized maladaption. We can interrupt those patterns. She does brilliant research that just lays out the trauma of it, right? We have to know. We have to own this history so that we can move past it. We can no longer be in denial about the history of this country. And then we have to go through the pain of acknowledging that truth and it's often really uncomfortable. And then we can come up on the other side better, stronger, and we got some work to do. But we can do it with joy. Thank you for listening to The Laverne Cox Show. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share with everyone you know. Join me next week for my conversation with California Surgeon General Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, how they affect our health, and how we can overcome them. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Laverne Cox and on Facebook at Laverne Cox For Real. Until next time, stay in the love. The Laverne Cox Show is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hi, I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I do the only thing we've found that has ever made life any easier. We drop the fake and we just talk really raw and honestly about all the hard parts of life. So come on over and join us and some of our friends and greatest heroes like former First Lady Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, Gloria Steinem, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brandi Carlisle, Brene Brown, and our beloved community, the Pod Squad. You'll hear refreshingly honest conversations, trust me, about sex, gender, parenting, blended families, our bodies, anxiety, addiction, feeling overwhelmed, just all of it. Life is hard, so let's do it together. Meet us every Tuesday and Thursday for We Can Do Hard Things, one of Apple and Spotify's top shared podcasts of 2023. Listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.